Hey, Jay, how's it going? Hey, Chris, how are you? Oh, not too bad. I'd, uh, I'm glad we're finally recording. I wasn't for sure if we we're going to be able to tonight or not. So I'm no, making we, this happen. We got Luke down to sleep, and uh, it's been a it's been a busy week, and so. I had a conversation with one of my players tonight. I said, you realize it takes me two to three days to get anything done in my house, right? <laughs> so I've got a basket of clothes I've been working on now for about a week and a half trying to get folded. So, Oh, my God. Um, that's what happens. Hey, Coach, how's it going? Good. Busy week, but good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Just wrapped up the spring season, so we're going through and doing all the kind of like in- – Okay. Awesome. Well, tonight, guys, we've got uh, Laura. Uh, uh, you pronounce your name Growl here, right? Did we lose her? I believe so. No, she's still connected. Hang on. Okay, she's holding on. Uh, Sorry, it uh, was just that my phone screen went dark, so it took you off. Um, but it's okay. Yeah, we're all here. You're good. We're all here. Okay. Yeah. And you are on the coat. You're uh, well. You're, you're still with Mockingbird, and uh, your current position at center, are you the assistant women's coach or the head women's I, coach? I am the assistant women's coach. The head coach has been there for 17 years and was my head coach when I played very briefly at center. Um, so it's okay. kind of a full circle thing. So, yeah. Absolutely. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, what we're going to do tonight is talk to you about your background, your soccer journey and everything, and um, – I'd like to touch on the the topic of women in coaching yeah. and then uh, maybe get your thoughts on racing Louisville and what that means to our area and everything. And um, Chris has got a set of questions ready for you. And um, All right. um, so uh, Chris, you want to go take it away? Yeah. Why don't you just introduce yourself to, you know, like what Jay said and kind of talk about, you know, your soccer history, I guess. Oh, well, it's very certain. I don't know. It's, it's been a, a long journey. It's been a weird one. Um, I basically just at one point in time decided I was going to somehow make coaching work and did a lot of odd jobs in between jobs and fought for jobs. And the next thing you know, I'm sitting here looking at what I've done and I'm like, oh, wow, I guess that can actually be a job. Um, so <laughs> I'm from Kentucky originally. I grew up in Lexington, went to Center College. I uh, played for like a year, year and, and, and tore my hamstring. So then I couldn't play the next year and then kind of just had a lot of life stuff hit me head on. So I didn't play my junior senior year um, and started kind of coaching then. Had no clue what to do when I graduated. So I was like, yeah, I'll coach little kids soccer and students and student athletes and kind of make ends meet. And started coaching and pretty much didn't look back. Um, I'm in the process with the center job now, you know, being mine um, of getting ready to move to Danville, so that'll put six, seven years in Louisville um, with club soccer with Kentucky Fire Juniors and now Mockingbird High School Soccer. I did a year with Males Women's Team and then five years with Mercy, four as the head coach, one as the assistant coach, and kind of a little bit of everything in between. I don't know how long you want me to go on this one, but it's been a lot of little <laughs> odd and end jobs to kind of find a way to make it work. Well, uh, Laura, let, let, let's put a pin in uh, uh, your five years at Mercy. Okay. Mo- moving on from from the high school game, and I, and I don't know if you've been 
I know you just uh, had to move on from that here this uh, within the past few months. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think you what do you know you're going to miss? What is something you know a couple of years down the road you're gonna be like, I miss I'm gonna miss that. Mercy's just a cool school. Okay. There's a lot of really cool kids. Um, you know, I think there were there were times in our record show it that we weren't great. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times that I probably wasn't a great coach, and I feel like I ended on a good note. So for me, that was awesome to you know win the region and go out you know probably sure. wish we would have played a little bit better in the state tournament but for them to get there and and kind of have that group of kids that stuck with it when it wasn't perfect for me was was pretty cool but I think a lot of good coaching jobs are great because of the people that you're around and that's absolutely abundantly prevalent at Murphy I actually literally just hung up with Mercy's previous ad when you sent the text over we had been trying to touch base for a while to just catch up and it's stuff like that where you know i'm not working there anymore mark evans is on his way out and he's calling me at 10 o'clock on a thursday because he's like hey we haven't talked we got to catch up what's up (laughs) um so it's those type of relationships and you don't just see it from the athletic department you see it inside the building with how teachers are invested in the players and they're there and you know in a non-COVID year, it's not unrealistic to see them on the sideline, to have them be engaged and involved. And right. the young women and their families are equally just all in on what it means to be a part of Mercy and, and that school as a whole. So they take a lot of pride in, in wearing the jersey and representing the school. And that's, you know, I think similar to what you see at Center. I mean, Center's a higher level for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty stinking good team. Um, so my job is just don't mess up how good they are. Um, but I think the relationships and the people that you get to meet at Mercier are pretty special. And the soccer to boot is just icing on the cake when you get the other side of it. It's that good. Right. Right. Well, I was always, uh, number one, I'm impressed with that facility over there, but two, it looked like y'all were pretty consistent in the, in the sixth region. So that's, um, Mm -hmm. that's good to see. So yeah, it's always, it's always great to finish on a high note too, to win the region and everything. So yeah, uh, for sure. So well, I mean, so moving on from Mercy, I mean, uh, I don't know how upfront you, about it you can be. Did, did Were you approached about the center position, or uh, was that something um, you pursued? <laughs> it was kind of a surprise that it was even open. So I mentioned Jay Hoffman, the head coach. He's been there for 17 years. I remember his Jay. Ass- his assistant for 16 of them has been Jessica Chisley. And okay. she is – an incredible human that I admire for a lot of what she does, not just on the field, but what she does off the field and mm-hmm. who she is and how she carries herself in the messages that she espouses and, and just so many of the things that she does. So to me, it was like, you know, what well, you know, it's, it's Jay and coach Chisley. That's just always what it's going to be. She had a really cool opportunity within center to join the diversity, equity and inclusion office which meant that the job opened up. And to be completely honest, I probably almost missed the deadline for the application. I didn't know what the timeline was, what Jay was thinking. And at like the, you know, five minutes before midnight type of deadline thing, I called him and was like, all right, let's talk about this. Like, you know, he knew me as a player. He knew me when I wasn't a player that we, when we didn't get along, Um, I actually (laughs) went back in like 2012, 2013, 2014 and served as a volunteer assistant for me not finishing playing that was mm-hmm. something that i wanted to do to just kind of be able to to wrap a bow on that you know i yeah. i told him i was like hey you know when i committed to come here i committed to four years and i only gave you two <laughs> i want to learn about coaching we might not 
get along all the time, but we see soccer similarly. And you're the head coach and I'm a volunteer. So if it doesn't work, you just say no and I leave and we're done, but let's try it. Um, so I ended up doing two more kind of full-ish years as a volunteer assistant. And then my first year in Louisville, I actually went down kind of towards the end of the year when they went to, we made it to the Elite Eight, um, won the conference and just helped out kind of a little bit behind the scenes there. And then right. at that point, it was just like, I've got too much in Louisville. Um, and I probably should have stuck around for another year because in 2015, they went to the final four. So super fun yeah. to cheer them on from afar. Um, but now my job is to make sure we get back so I can say that I've been to one. Sure. Sure. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's, it's funny how that works. I remember, uh, Jay was, uh, one of the camp coaches when I went to camp at center mm-hmm. back at, back in high school. Um, and I tell you what center has a great campus. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm biased towards Western's campus because I went there as being the best in the state. But Center's isn't far off. You go to Center's campus. Have and... you have you seen the new soccer stadium that opened up a few years back? No, not yet. Uh, it's well, been a while. It's been a while since I've been over there. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna have to make it over there at some point. I'm gonna say that once you see that, you'll be pretty impressed. Um, it's okay. a 6.5 million dollar investment that the college made in buying the land. It's just our field. It's a uh, like a certain like latitude something Bermuda grass that they mow with the diamonds and the cross hatches and everything. There's a huge press box. There's right off the field locker rooms and training rooms. The seats are leather back kind of like two tiered benches. Um, You know, we tell players every time they visit, we're like, the seats are great. We hope you're not sitting in them a lot, but if you got to sit, you at least got a comfy spot. So we are abundantly spoiled with what we have there. And that's on top of the investment that center makes in the academics in housing and the different things, you know, with student life. So you gotta, you gotta give center a good look over when you get a chance. And when COVID has campus a little bit more open up, but uh, they announced, I think a week or two ago now, there's another $50 million athletic project where they'll wow. be, I heard re- that. they'll be a uh, new baseball field redoing the football field in the grandstand, adding like an Olympic sized pool, adding an indoor track and a new weight room. So center is equally invested in making sure that, you know, mind, body, soul, all types of, all types of it are taken care of. So two, three years down the road, when that's all said and done, I just, the renderings in it alone, you, you wouldn't think you'd see it a division three school, much less a random little middle, you know, middle of Kentucky division three school, but they, absolutely are invested in doing things at a very, very high level in all aspects of it. And uh, it's pretty cool. So we'll get you down to center. And I think, I think we can uh, change that vote on that one. Sure. Sure. That's the thing. Okay. That's the thing about college campuses. I mean, when you visit one in let's say 2018, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you you can't hold that ranking for too long because they're constantly under construction. So they're constantly evolving. So that's uh well I'm, I'm glad to hear that you know, center was i have fond memories of soccer camp at center uh it was a good yeah. time no i'm excited time. we announced earlier this week that we're able to do some camps again so it'll be good to get people back on campus you know we'll have an id camp we'll do our high school team camp and then we've got a very small middle school like girls camp as opposed to what we normally did and in under 24 hours, two-thirds of those spots are filled. So I think people are just as excited as we are to be able to have some of that stuff back. 
I, I have talked up centers camp my whole coaching career just based mm-hmm. on my, ex, my experiences when I went. And um, I've got some uh, some of my O8s right now. I'm I'm pushing the camp hard on them. I mean, I'm like, you got to go to center. Got to go to center. I'm telling you. So Yeah. And Jeb does an incredible job with, with the boys in the, in the men's camp. So, yeah. you know, I think the men's and the women's side, you know, the men went to the Final Four in 2019. The women went in 2015. So both programs hold each other, you know, accountable in it. The, usually the players will compete on the men's and the women's side and you know some are sure. more intense about it than others but it's nice to have somebody that you know like on the other the other side of the, the field basically you know we don't have to split the field but mm-hmm. metaphorically right it's equally as invested in in being at that top top level too that's excellent so are you uh do you anticipate are you going to be working on the recruiting side too are you uh are you yeah. going out Okay, so how's that, how's that, how does that process work? I think it's, it's different for every school. So, you know, just being on the club side of it and working with some of the older girl, female players within KFJ and within Mockingbird, you know, I think it's different school to school. It's also really different player to player. Mm-hmm. Um, for center, our big thing is that, that we want you to love every part of it because at Division three schools, you're not getting money. Right. So your investment that you're making in your education – has to be in all of it and not just in what happens in three, four months, however long the season goes based on the success every fall. Um, You know, the investment that we talk about on the soccer field is the same type of investment that they've made in updating the library and redoing the biology building and redoing this building and redoing that building. So, you know, we're going to recruit kids that probably could go play at a mid-major D1 Mm -hmm. and we're going to, we're going to show them why, you know, you can come here and you can be extremely successful. You're going to have, you know, multiple conference championships. When you leave, you're going to get a run at an NCAA tournament every year. I think that's a lot of it for us. Um, We kind of recruit from all over. So if you take a glance at our roster, we've got kids from Massachusetts and Colorado and Texas and Florida and Georgia and North Carolina, and West Virginia, and Tennessee, and Indiana, and Ohio, and obviously Kentucky, um, you know, so it's it's cool, you know, we went down to a National League weekend in Greensboro, and we're watching kids play at that level, we were at right. Crossroads in Indiana, I'm taking this weekend to go down and watch some ECNL games in Tennessee, you know, so there's some, some pretty cool kids that we get, and I think if, if people are, and, and players are, surprised when they come in because they think all right d3 it's going to be a little bit of a let off and that it's you know it's not going to be as intense as this high level team that i was on and hearing the feedback from the player meetings this week a lot of the you know incoming first year students are now saying like okay we were wrong that this is harder than our club team this is a step up this wasn't i'm going d3 to coast i i gotta work and it's it's worth Mm -hmm. it and you know the trophies and the accolades and the awards follow suit so it's uh, it's interesting. I think the administrative side of it, like getting it organized and getting into some of those details and making those relationships with club coaches and kind of understanding where our niche is, is going to be a learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also awesome because I've been in club soccer for, you know, almost 10 years now. So I'm calling these coaches and saying, hey, who do you think would be a good fit? How do we get some of these kids in? And, and it's cool to be able to kind of connect multiple parts of my soccer world 
um, and hopefully find a way to get some of those kids to come into center and keep us rolling. That That's great. Now, since Chris is, uh, most of his experience has been on the high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all, you know, all about me. I've been on the high school mm-hmm. side most of my time too, up until this past year. Um, what, is there any role that when, as a recruiter, is there any role that you see the high school coach or the high school program having, or are you just, just cashing? I know with your all season and everything in a normal right. year, you're, you're at the same time as high, it's parallel to high school, but is there any, uh, any reason at all to get in touch with the high school coach, uh, or the high school program um, and check in on a player? Okay. I think it's, I think it really depends on the school, on the coach. I mean, there are some coaches that I know that I would go to because they understand what we're looking for. And I can mm-hmm. reach out to them. And there's some coaches that that might not get it because they see that D3 label and they're like, well, this kid just wants to play. So they could play D3. And it's like, guys, we've got kids that are multiple time All-Americans that played on top level ECNL teams. Like this isn't just just a D3. It's a very competitive program. Sure. I think you're I think you're dead on with this, the season part of it, though. And I think that's what makes it really tricky. You know, the way that it's set up, especially in Kentucky with club being in the spring it just lends itself to us being able to see more on the club side right um, but i know that you know in a, in a non-covid year and a normal year you know jay and i were talking a little early today about some recruiting responsibilities for the fall and it's mm-hmm. not abnormal to pop into a high school game and see what's yeah. going on to you know you know these two powerhouse programs you're playing you're going to drop in and see what's up and you know maybe you catch this team that's local and you see just to kind of keep a pulse on it. And I think just the biggest thing for any coach, whether you're a club coach or a high school coach or anything in between, you know, you're doing private training mm-hmm. is a, to understand what the program's really offering. So, right. you know, know who the coach is, know the level, know what division, know the academics, and then, B, to encourage that player to, to do a lot of that work on their own. I think it's it's great to have that first touch point or first contact point come through a mutual connection with a club coach or a high school coach or, you know, a friend of a friend that knows this kid. But at the end of the day, so much of it is on the player maintaining and building that relationship with any coaching staff that it's got to come from them. And I think that's maybe where there's a disconnect sometimes because coaches jump in and, and are real quick to say, it's gotta be this, it's gotta be this, it's gotta be this and tell these players where they need to go. Right. It's, it's the guidance side of it. I think is the biggest thing that a high school coach can do is, is be willing to sit there and have the conversations and look at right. the rosters and look at the schedules and the, and the timing again, I think is what makes it hard. But I also think that anytime you have someone that's willing to advocate for a player and try and help them find their best fit, you know, who's going to knock you on that? There's, there's no reason to tell a high school coach that you shouldn't be hyped about the opportunities that you can help create for the men and women that you're working with. Right. I think, too, as you know, when I coached high school, my big thing was I tell my players all the time, I was like, guys, when, you know, if I hear from a college coach, or if I'm, you know, um, they need to know, they need to know that, um, that you're uh, that you handle business in the classroom. Um, otherwise, otherwise that's a wasted scholarship. And uh, Chris, you've probably seen that at center or not center crap uh, Spalding now mm-hmm. where, uh, and by the way, Chris, do we know who won between the, uh, who won between Spalding and center tonight on the men's side? Uh, center won. Center, yeah. Three to one. Who, who won? 
Center did. Center did. Okay. Yeah. So up one nothing, but they came back the second half, about like the last game we played with them. I see. I see. So okay. So Chris, you've probably seen this uh, on the college uh, as well that you know players, you know they get recruited and everything, and they you know they make the roster and all that, and then they come to college and they're like, oh, I don't want. It. I, they don't want any part of the class schedule. They just want to play soccer, and that's what I've I told a lot of my players at Fairdale. Like guys, you got to be able to do both because you're going to be expected to do both uh, in college. Otherwise, you're not getting that scholarship. A partial scholarship, and right, oh, yeah, um, so um, I, it wasn't so much, you know, this in this formation or where the player fits, and from a technical standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think on the high school side of things, you're talking more about character, and again, you know, uh, commitment in the classroom more than anything else. So, or at least that's what I, that's, that's my. But I, I think that's a huge part of recruiting no matter what, you know, I think mm-hmm. there's a ton of kids that are great at soccer, but something that, that we talk about in, you know, any conversation with Jay Hoffman, you'll hear about it. The relationships and the quality of the people that we want to surround ourselves with is just as important as your ability on the field. You know, there right. are players that, that will never get on the field that end up being a manager helping us with stats, finding ways to stay on the program because they're people of quality that we want. And that's, right. you know, it's great to recruit somebody that can, you know, crush a shot from 40 yards with their eyes closed all day. Mm-hmm. But if that kid isn't going to do the other stuff to give back to the program, to invest in their teammates, to be a part of what it is, to be a part of a college program at center or anywhere else, you can't take them. Yeah. So I think and, and that's probably a fantastic niche for a, a high school coach to be able to offer just some feedback from what they've seen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just seeing them with their peers, with their classmates in their school settings. So I think that that part is absolutely something that high school coaches can help provide another thing for. Cause you see them more regularly than a club coach and you get a feel for kind of the dynamic of what's going on a little bit more in their environment than a coach that's going to see, you know, 15, 20 kids come in from 10, 12 different schools that are each talking about what's going on. You know, I think that's a, a great thing that a high school coach can offer is that feedback on, you know, what's the day to day like at this school? What's, what's this kid doing? Who's this kid hanging out around when you see them on a weekend, are they hanging out with, you know, the good kid, the right kids. And there's times where sometimes they hang out with the wrong kids and they're still a great kid, but you know, just some guidance on that or a heads up on things that, you know, this kid right. might maybe they're good enough, but the, the character and the quality of who they are is a person you want around your program. Or this kid might be good enough, but I don't know if, if they're going to be a fit because of, of the things they do when they're not on the field. And that's that's just as important at the end of the day. So far, on that note, mm-hmm. so far, have you had any potential recruits that you had your eye on social media? And you said, no, we're going to move on to the next one. Has that ha- Have you had that conversation with yourself or your head coach yet? I did a lot of our social media for, like, KFJ. So I was technically okay. our director of communications. So it's something gotcha. that, like, I'm aware of. Um, right. we, we don't really go in and follow a lot of kids. There are some mm-hmm. kids that I'll see because I know or they are kids that I knew from when I was coaching in Louisville that are now looking at center. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I also think I think kids are almost a little smarter in how they hide it. There's a lot of kids with probably multiple Instagram accounts. And if you find one as a coach, you're probably finding the one that you want them to find. I think there's absolutely ways that you can, can look into that. And I think it's something to be said about it because at the end of the day, you know, we're going to see you two hours a day. And right. we got to know that the other 22 are being taken care of in a way that represents our program in the right way. And that's, you know, I think if we get down to the point where we've got two or three kids and we're looking at it and trying to split hairs and say, you know, which one do we want to set this visit up with and, and some of that, you know, we'll, we'll look at that. I think, you know, in non-COVID times where you get kids on campus and you get a visit, your players are going to give you some feedback too. And they're, yeah. you know, for context, center hasn't lost in conference since 2014. Yeah. If one nine straight conference tournament championships. So those players investment in making sure people don't come in and mess that up is just as high as the coaching staff. So if you bring a kid in and, and the players are talking or you're talking to the players saying, Hey, this kid's from your area. What do you know? They're going to be real quick to protect what's theirs and say, no, we know this about a kid. No. Or the flip side and i think that's what's happened more often than not in you know kind of my brief stint there is that they're saying wait no i i know that kid i like her i like who she is she's someone that i could see fitting in with us so i don't know if i'm particularly going and scrolling through high school social media pages i mm-hmm. prefer not to but yeah. i think there are some other kind of checks and balances in play that when you get down to it your character is going to show out you can only hide it for so long and, right. and when it shows, it shows. And there are regrettable conversations that you have to have when you thought you got it right and you didn't. Um, yep. But I think fortunately, from what I've seen from the center women, you know, they all have their moments where they're college kids. Um, but I think there's some good people that are very, very invested in one another and, and what we do and what center is as a school. You know, it's not a school you can slack off at. So they, they do a very good job of, of what they manage and how they manage themselves i think that's i think that's excellent chris <laughs> chris had questions ready for you i feel like i've hijacked the conversation <laughs> oh no chris, you're, fine. Good. You're, you're asking a lot what i, what I was planning on asking uh, okay yeah throw something at, at laura uh, chris. yeah what do we got okay yeah yeah you mentioned you coached at mercy and uh mm-hmm. i just want to get your thoughts you know on the sixth region itself and what would you like to see you know i guess different uh but then <laughs> You know, that region and in the state. I think the biggest thing, and and this was kind of my push, and and if you looked at our schedule, you'd see it a little bit over the last couple of years. We've got to find ways to promote everybody in the region. I think, you know, we talked about Mercy's facility being great, and it was a thing that I constantly told six region coaches was, I know that we might win this game because you've done everything in your power to build a program at this school that maybe hasn't had it or hasn't had a ton of success. I want you to come play us under the lights because it's going to mean something. And, And it's great, you know, for us to be able to say, all right, we beat this team, whatever, but more than anything, just for them to see that and like get to be a part of that, I think is pretty cool. So I think that was something that, you know, I, I talked to Andrew Godbreath about who's, who's taken the job at Mercy and I think he's going to do great. It was just like, for those of us that have those opportunities to do more, to make sure that we're bringing those rest of the teams along with us and finding ways to make sure that 
you know, we're all better when teams are better. It's great when, you know, Abby does an incredible job and Bullet Central starts making games really difficult. When Amber runs through and wins the region with North Bullet, like, that's what you want. You want it to be competitive because your team gets better for having played those games. So I think it's the temptation is to say, you know, well, we're close enough to the seventh region or the private school or the all-girls school. We're just going to go do this and that. But I think there's absolutely something to be said about investing in that, that group of schools because you know that that's – if that's what you're representing – and you've got to be the best of the best to represent it. It's better when the teams are good. And, you know, I, I have a ton of respect for a lot of those coaches and what they do, the amenities and the resources that we have at a school like Mercy and, and that we had access to during COVID made our lives so, so, so much easier than some of these other teams, but the coaches made it work and they found a way to make a season and they found a way to, to, give these the young women at their school an opportunity to play and if you're into coaching for any other reason than giving kids a chance to be a part of something bigger than themselves come and look at the mirror but i think you know there's a ton of great coaches that do it for the right reasons and that are invested not just in what they see for the hour and a half or two hours of training but in everything that goes on in those young women's lives and offer them a ton of great support academically you know in any way they can um, and I'd, I'd love to see them get more recognized for that and and for all that they put into to making some of those programs go and and keeping that as an option for some of those schools what are, yeah I mean we, we, we we've got to get the program numbers up uh, mm -hmm. within, you know the six and all around the state because I know here in Louisville it seems like there's a ton of teams that you know, can't even build a JV or a freshman roster. Um, so that, that would be nice to see, you know, to get program numbers up so we can have the JV teams and, mm -hmm. you know, potentially a freshman team. Uh, yeah. No, I, I agree. From, from what I've seen, it seems like, you know, everyone in that region is doing the best they can. I mean. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's tough. So hopefully, you know, we just, that is something I'd like to see for the next few years. Yeah, Absolutely. Laura, why do you why do you think the numbers tend to be down on the girls' side uh, on high school soccer? I mean, uh, or or overall, just in soccer. I mean, it just seems like a lot of schools, especially more so the public schools, like Chris mentioned in the sixth region, mm -hmm. a lot of programs that are struggling. You know, they they're able to pull a varsity team of fifteen or sixteen. Why do you think that's the case? Why the interest level just right. isn't there on the on the girls' side? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that everybody's got to play club soccer all the time. And that's just not realistic or accessible. Um, yeah. You know, I like literally did not play for a club team until I was in high school. I sure. grew up playing rec every weekend with my friends and the rec league was massive. Like we're yeah. talking eight to 10 field, multiple leagues games from 9am to 5pm. And then the select few would go be part of that club team. So it was, it was a big jump. Like it was a big deal when you finally made, you know, from Lexington LFC, when I finally made that top team, it was a big deal. Right. And now if you don't make the top team, whatever that happens to be in your age group, in your area, you just go to the next club, right. next club. And you go to the next yeah. club. I love recreational soccer and I mm -hmm. hate that it's looked on. So in such a like derogatory sense, 
because that's what makes soccer accessible. And you fill right. out your JV teams and your freshman teams and your varsity teams by women and girls that have that opportunity to play. And sure. club soccer just doesn't make sense for some of them. And it's great when it does, but like if you had a recreational league closer to the, to the six region schools and said, hey, for 25 bucks, you're going to come out and play soccer with your friends. Now they're invested and they're involved. The amount of coaches right. that I see trying to like teach kids how to play soccer at 15 because they've never had an opportunity to do anything other you know, then play pickup with their friends or maybe hop in with a brother or a cousin. I think that's the hardest part. So it's, I don't think that it's, you know, it's just one of those things where we have to be more realistic about making soccer accessible to as many people as possible as early as possible. Cause I even had it at Murphy, right? Kids that were like, you know, we've heard a lot of good things about soccer. We've never played or we've kind of played, but we want to do it. What do you think? And I said, show up and we'll make it work. And they're like, what? I'm like, show up. Yeah. I said, I just want you to be invested in something. So we had a kid that was a, a senior this past year, never played before, was friends with girls on the team and said, I'm going to do it before her junior year. Had mm-hmm. not kicked a ball, could barely run a mile. Oh, boy. She scored a goal in a, a admittedly blowout game. Mm-hmm. And you would have thought that we won a state championship. Right. And all I'd asked of that kid is just show up. I'm not going to promise you that you play. I'm not going to promise you that you do this, but I want you to be a part of it because it matters to you. So it matters to me. And there's got to be a more coaches that are willing to take those kids on and say, you know what? It means something for them to put that school name across their chest. So I got to find a way to keep them involved and not just as a manager, right? You know, get them involved, get them on the field. She came in her senior year, crushed her mile, ran it the entire time. Wow. You know, played in and out of games still wasn't, yeah. I wasn't going to start and do some things, but the investment that she made was worth it. So our program growing at Mercy didn't happen because we all of a sudden recruited all these top name talents from club soccer all over. It's because we basically opened the door and said, if you're willing to invest in us, we're going to invest in you and we're going to work through it and we're going to teach you as we go. And, and there's no guarantees that you're going to play on the varsity team, that you're going to get a 10 minutes but there's a guarantee that we're going to let you be part of this. And as long as you're not disrupting things or you're not in and out, you know, I think that's yeah. important to have, but there's got to be ways for the same types of investment to come in at kids when they're 10, 11, 12, 13, learning soccer. So that by the time they get to high school, I'm not having a kid that's never played. That's just seen other people around her play. Right. You know, and, but it's, it's tough. And I think it's it's hard because there are some real life things that start to hit people when they hit high school that they need to work. They have to have a job because of their circumstances with their family or just with things that are going on. You know, there's right. academic pursuits that they decide this is where I want to invest my time. And I've seen great soccer players walk away from playing soccer because they've said that this is a direction I want to go. I love being in the choir. I love being in the band. So you're always going to lose kids. The older you get, the more selective players have to be with how they invest their time and where they invest it. Right. What I would absolutely love to see is how do we open the doors when they're little so that when we're getting them to high school, there's that tie to the game and that, that wanting to be a part of, of something bigger than them by staying with it through, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. Right. 
Well, that, yeah, that's that's something that I mean, I saw it at, even at Fairdale. I mm-hmm. mean, that uh, all across the board, uh, you know, female sports was the numbers were down, and I'm just there's a part of me that's like, okay, it just needs it needs more of an investment. Um, but at the same time, I think coaches matter. I mm-hmm. think, uh, especially coaches, you know, it sounds like you were at, ran a pretty inclusive environment there at Mercy. Um, and, uh, I think we just need more of that, uh, especially in the soccer, uh, you know, soccer doesn't have the greatest reputation of being inclusive here in the yeah. States. And, um, so it sounds like we just need more of that, you know, welcome these, welcome these girls out to, um, to come out, I think there's a lot of them that are afraid of being embarrassed. You know, when I was yeah, at Fairdale, sure. the, the first couple of years I was at Fairdale, we had girls come play for, you know, practice with our team. And uh, because they didn't have a girls team. Mm-hmm. And I swear, like the first morning we had a girl like almost pass out. I had to put her in my car and turn on the air conditioner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, I'm just sitting here like, oh, man, I did not. <laughs> I'm not helping the cause here. <laughs> and, um, you know, now they've got a a girls team that is one or two players away from being competitive. I'm, I'm really, I'm really kind of pleased, you know, with how they're holding, kind of holding their head above water. Um, but it's, it's, it, I, I think it's, I think it does boil down to coaching. I think it you know, mm-hmm. boils down to who's, who's on that sideline, who's organizing, who's organizing practices and, and getting kids to come out. So. Yeah, um, for sure. So, well, that's cool. Chris, what do you got? Oh yeah, this is kind of you know an off the wall question, but uh, we like to bring up the '99 uh, Women's World Cup. Do you have any memories of that? I remember watching it like at my house one weekend, like watching the final, and Tim and my sister were outside playing, and they were like, "You gotta come outside." I'm like, "I'm watching a game." No, <laughs> and so in '99, I was like ten. Wow. You know, ten, eleven ish. So I. I remember they did like their victory tour and had a game in like a Louisville or Cincinnati, Chicago or something. And like, we got tickets and went. So I remember seeing some of that stuff. Um, But yeah, I think I've also tried to do more learning about it. So there's some really good books on like the history of the U S women's soccer team and kind of what they went through, not just in being trailblazing, you know, groundbreaking female athletes, but in what they did off the field for, equal pay better rights as you know the contracts and some of the stuff that they went through so there's a there's a lot of respect for not only the quality of their play but their willingness to to make sure they took care of some of the other things and the people on the U.S. Women's National Team today still are fighting some of those battles um but it's good it's better for everybody when you know they step up and are willing to to take a stance for some of that stuff Oh, definitely. You know, I think we, we, we mainly got women's soccer figured out fantastic here in America. But like you said, we just need to work on the, you know, fair treatment. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why they can't be paid the same as the men. So, um, yeah. And there's, and there's a lot more intricacy to it in some of the like U.S. allocated players who are getting some salary through U.S. soccer for the NWSL and, and so the contracts, I don't think, are ever going to perfectly align just because there's those other pieces to the puzzle. But, you know, I think there's absolutely some ground to be made up in terms of the compensation and the recognition. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's four stars on that jersey. And that uh, should tell you all you need to know. 
I think right. it was, I think, it, I think the key word there again is investment. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I see, I see the team uh, as an investment, you know, they're, you know, they're going to be successful. You know, they're going to make mm-hmm. at least a, at the very least a deep run in the world cup every four years, a deep mm-hmm. run in the Olympics every four years. So to me, that's going to generate interest, which is going to generate revenue. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm thinking they need to be paid. To me, they need to be paid what they're worth. They're generating interest, you know, and, and, and generating revenue because they've been, they're being, um, that's just, that's just the way I look at it. I know other economists and everything might say differently, but I see that as, you know, I see it as an investment. No, I think it's it's absolutely it's it's switched from that like take a chance it's worth on it to no make an investment this is big time and I think you've seen that a lot with the NFL with just different you know female soccer players and and advocates for the female game whether you're talking about women's soccer or like the WNBA and some of the stuff they do is absolutely crazy with how great they are at using their voice to speak up on big issues and take stances as a united front and a group of super powerful, strong women. Um, I know that like, and I don't know enough about it to speak about it intelligently. Like the women's professional hockey league does some really cool things, you know, and I think you see it kind of carry across sports. And, and if you read more about the history of the U S women's national team on the soccer side, there's connections in the back rooms of all of those top level women's teams where they're calling one another and saying, all right, we saw that you guys get, got this. How'd you do it? Cause we're going to mirror that. And we're going to do it for our league. And then when we figure this out, we're going to call you. Um, so I think it's, it's really cool when you, when you look into it and you see it, it, it sucks that it has to happen, but there's some pretty impressive women and, and how they've navigated the ins and outs of this to really create the opportunities for themselves. And then, and an even more impressive feat, the opportunity for the people that are following them. Sure. Sure. Laura, uh, a little bit swinging, touching back to recruitment and everything. What's the best play? What's the best way for a player to market themselves here in 2021, as far as getting college attention and everything? Um, I mean, Starts with an email for most of our kids. I'm, okay. I've got my email pulled up, you know, and a good highlight film that gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what you can do is great. Um, you know, the basic details have to be there. When you graduate, you know, do you know something about our school or is this just a generic email where you've decided that every coach in the country, you're going to email saying the same six things, you know, something something that makes it worthwhile and it, and I can see it's not just another form letter. Um, you know, again, I think the, the blessing of center and probably at times the curse of center is that the academics aren't for the faint of heart. So we attract a specific type of, of young woman and then, you know, young men on, on the male side as well that are interested in all of it. Um, and then from there, you know, we'll send stuff back a lot of times just like, Hey, this is our front rush account. This is where we kind of keep track of kids. We use this for our mailing list. If, if you're really interested, we need you to fill this out so that we don't miss you on an email. You now are getting the emails that we're sending out to people because we send out the links to our ID camps, the links to our schedule, the links to the live streams, like little ways for you to get connected with us. Um, you know, I think it's easier for some than others because we can go see and play. So that's right. a, a great asset. Um, 
but I, you know, I think back to the social media point of view, you know, if I'm going to try and find out where you're playing, what you're doing and, and your Twitter pops up and is public. And I get that maybe you don't want Instagram, Facebook, some of these other things. I adamantly refuse and will not download TikTok. <laughs> Hard pass. There's a center women's TikTok and they always try and get me to download the app. So I will follow it. And I'm like, no, like I didn't text a kid for three days because she sent me the link to one of the TikToks. And I was just like, no, I'm, I'm done. I texted her back. This phone number is no longer accepting messages from you and like sat on it. Um, yeah. But that might be a personal thing that I have got to figure out. But like, I think Twitter is a great one um, to make public and to post little clips and little videos and little updates and share little bits about yourself. You know, I don't need your diary, but if I know, right. hey, this weekend she was doing this with her family. She was at this game. She played in this tournament. This is how her team did. This is how our high school team did. It gives me that little glimpse of, of who the player is, and I think that's pretty cool. I know personally just on the coaching side, the connections that I've made through Twitter and through, you know, probably more so that than any other social media platform, you know, for me to be able to connect with coaches all over the world, you know, mm-hmm. you can look at my stuff. It's not anything that's abundantly personal, but you can tell really quick kind of who I am, what I stand for, what I value as a coach and get that little bit of glimpse or insight so that you know more than just a name or a resume and I think that's a, a great way to use you know Twitter or any of the other social media platforms that you want but that's kind of a personal favorite on my end. Hey, Laura am I have I been wrong to <laughs> tell my tell my I've been wrong a lot for <laughs> let me rephrase that uh <laughs> But in this case, one thing I always told my high school kids was, you know, when they were worried about, you know, all of them, listen, all of them wanted to say, you ask, hey, how many of y'all out here want to play college ball? Mm-hmm. And, you know, every one of them raises their hand. And then when it comes down to, you know, all the other things, then that, that number drops dramatically. Yeah. But um, have I been wrong to tell my players, guys, let's build a winning environment first because if I, I've, I've always told them if I'm a college recruiter, I'm going to the teams that I'm, that I'm, I'm going to go for the more, because I see players that are the best players on some really bad teams. We've mm-hmm. had a few of those in the sixth region and yeah. I've seen those, I've seen those kids pick up, uh, pick up scholarships somewhere, or pick up spot roster spots, uh, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere. But if I'm a recruiter, one thing I do is I look for the teams that are winning and then that's where I spot my, you know, I, I spot the, yeah. you know, the, the well-oiled machines. Let me put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Well, I think that, again, the other thing you have to realize is like, so our coaching staff is, is Jay and I, that's it. Yeah. So if I have the choice of going to a game where, and this is probably wrong and, and it would benefit me more to, to choose the other side of this, but if I'm going to a team where it's the number two and the number 10 ranked team in the state. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to two schools where I don't know what I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. Just from a time point of view, some of that stuff sure. starts to to win out. So even you know this weekend at Crossroads, where there's thirty fields with games going back to back to back to back to back to back to back, chances are there's right. good players on every single one of those fields. Right. I don't right. know if there's center players because there's other things that are involved with being a part of our program. Right. But it's easier for me to look at it and say, okay, hey, I, I know this club. And right. I know these people within the club. I know the coaches. I know our former players are from there. Or I know 
something and and I think it's hard I think there's definitely some kids that that you miss because that's kind of how you have to maximize your time um right. I think that the culture that you grow up in in terms of you know all of it comes into play so if you're playing in a program where there's no organization there's there's no amount of success there's no camaraderie I watch you walk in and you do your thing and you put your headphones on and you do your warm up and and that's it. And you're done with the game and you don't talk to each other and you scatter. Right. What am I getting when it comes to our team? Are you going to be a part of all of it mm-hmm. and invest in all of it? So I think there's, there's absolutely something to be said about the culture of a club, of a high school, of any environment that you're in will dictate who you are. So, right. you know, we talk a ton about surrounding yourself with great people. And that's mm-hmm. got to be something that you've done as well. So that I know when I take you out of this group of people and put you in our group of people, you're going to help make us better in your own way. And some of the time it's on the field, some of the time it's off the field, some of the time it's mm-hmm. at training. But I, th- I think culture is a huge part of it. And it's, it's absolutely a buzzword. And I think that you have to be really specific with how you define it and intentional about how you go you know, how you make it mean something more than just saying, well, we have a good culture because everyone will tell you that. Um, But it's, it's absolutely valuable to have kids that come from a place where the, where they get it and they understand more than just I'm here to kick a ball and I want to win and I'm angry when we lose. Yeah. I, I just think that, you know, I've told, I've told my players, you know, you can have, you can score, you can go to another school and mm-hmm. you can be part of a program where you score 25, 30. We see it in Kentucky all the time. Mm-hmm. There's, there's teams in Kentucky that don't get out of districts, and they've got 25, 30 goal uh, scores. Yeah. Whereas I would tell them, like, look, if you play for a winning program, if you commit to us being a winning program, a winning culture, mm-hmm. your, goal, your goal scoring might be like 12 goals, eight assists on the year. Number one, that's 20 goals that you're uh, accountable for. Mm-hmm. But also – you know what a winning program looks like. You know what one is supposed to look like. You know what uh, being a good teammate looks like. If I'm a recruiter, I've got my eyes on that kid before the kid that scored 25, goal, 25 30 goals yeah. and lost in the first round of districts. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think at all levels, stats can be deceiving. Like, right. especially, you know, I'll, I'll get an email from a kid from Texas. I don't know those other teams that she's playing. Right. So for me to look there and for her to say, well, I scored 90 goals. And it's like, but who did you play? Yeah. So that's, you know, the research side on our end and going back in. And, and, you know, if we get the highlight film and we watch and she's, you know, chipping a kid on a great blue ball with a little flick on the outside of the foot, it's like, okay, these balls are legit. But then you get some. And, and I remember we watched one today for a kid. And I remember having watched it before because I said, Oh, yeah, this is the one with the horrible goalkeeping. Like the kid scores five goals in this game. She put them all in the clip and they're and they're not bad goals, but it's like I'm not a goalkeeper and I might have saved two of those five. Sure. So the quality of, of what you bring to the table and, and the competition and, and all of it does come into play. And you know, but I think there's never anything wrong with making sure where you come from is good. That preparation right. that you have is is important because you're on your own and mm-hmm. it shows real quick who you are and what you stand for. And, and some of those little things that get ingrained to you when you're part of a program that invests in the right things, it mm-hmm. carries over. You don't, you don't lose that. 
Um, but if you're faking it to try and get on the roster or trying to, to make a cut, you're going to get right. exposed at a certain point in time because you can't fake that stuff. It's you got it or you don't type of thing. Right. In the Bluegrass game, my last year at Fairdale, we played in the Bluegrass mm-hmm. games, and uh, we played a school from Eastern Kentucky, and they had a kid on their roster that scored 36 goals the year before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, you know, we did everything we could that we can practice to, to prepare for that. And uh, just so he would. And we could never all to this day, to this day, we still couldn't figure out who it was, figure out which kid it was. Yeah. That, I mean, so again, you're right. Stats can be deceiving. Um, I mean, I, you could have lined up 11 of 11 of those boys um, and I wouldn't have been able to pick out which one scored the 36 goals. So, you know, number one, we had a little bit of a good, we had pretty good defense that year. Mm-hmm. So again, when you take that step up, players disappear. Yeah. And I, again, I think it has to come back to just all of it with, with the whole package. You know, if you've scored 200 goals and you've done this and you've done that, you know, there are certain things that, that are kind of beyond reproach when it comes to the stats side of things, but absolutely like where you're doing it and how you're doing it matters. And, Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, I can say that like looking at our team and the caliber of player that we have there, so much is predicated on the other things that they do off the field and who they are for the other 22 hours a day when they're not with our team. Um, You know, and some of them, we have a handful of kids out of Louisville. We have kids that have been really cool for me that, that I coached on the club side and now they're back at center. So I'm their coach again. And that's awesome. I don't think, I don't think any of them have been too upset about it. I have told them that like, if you thought you were done with me, I'm sorry, I'm back. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about it. But I think, I think we're all okay on that one. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think so much of it is, is who you are and how you go about your business more so than you being able to send me a stat sheet from a bunch of games that you won 10 nothing and you scored six of the goals. That doesn't tell right. me much. Right, right. There you go. There you go. Well, Chris, throw one more question at Coach, and then we got to get out of here because I think I'm on like 4% battery. <laughs> so, uh, You know, I see that you're a big reader. I see all the time on Twitter. You, you mm-hmm. uh, what, what are you reading right now? Um, I just finished reading – <coughs> Sorry, I just finished reading Skin in the Game, which I think is a great book for people that are, I don't know, just all people. So the premise of that one is basically your investment and the risk you're willing to take equates to the reward in the end. So people that don't really invest a lot, that don't have that skin in the game, where there's no repercussions for the risk that they take, it it tends to fall a little flat somewhere. Um, and, and it's a, it's a deep book. It's a dense book. It's a book that I was like, Oh, I'll read this. And you know, we've got a six hour bus trip. It's only 300 pages. You know, I can figure this out over the course of a weekend. We'll have, you know, 10, 12 hours on a bus. I was very wrong because of (laughs) how much it required you to really stop and think. Um, so that one was good. I've since moved on to a fictional book because that one was very dense. The books that I have on my nightstand right now is hero. And it huh. is about a young boy who lives in a world where people do have superpowers and his parents have had them and he is trying to figure out his and 
that's about as far as I've gotten because I've been very busy. So that book hopefully will be finished sometime soon now that, that the season is wound down a bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I read a little bit of everything. I think that it's a great way to relax. I've always yeah. had an abundance of books around me growing up. And I try and make sure that if I read something that's very intense and, and poignant and philosophical, it's probably going to be paired with like a young adult fiction sci-fi book after. Um, so the sh- my shelves are constantly full and it's not good for my bank account when I walk into bookstores because I have <laughs> probably 50, 60 books at my apartment that I haven't read, but that will not from picking up two or three more if I find some good ones on sale. So it's a well, nice way to relax. I'm all for it. There's normally a book around me somewhere. Great. Well, there you go, Jay. You can give her all your books. Uh, <laughs> I've got a bunch. Now, Lauren, did you, were you able to read Prime? I can't remember if we had that. I did. I had a chance to read it. I think okay. I had obviously like most people more free time than you would expect in 2020. Sure. Um, so yeah, I got a chance to read it. It was good. I think good. for me, it's, it's cool to hear about other people's experiences and how they went about things and how they think or why they think what they think. And, and that was, that was a cool thing to just kind of get a little insight into, all right, you know, this guy's new to our club. He's excited about it. Let's see kind of where he's at, <laughs> why he thinks these things. So I think it was a good little bit of insight into yeah. to what we were adding to our club with you joining and you know it seems yeah. like so far so good with mockingbird stuff and and that's been good for us so so far so good this spring's been this spring's been a piece of work but uh, i've been i've been relatively removed this spring because of the center yeah. stuff um yeah. and then i guess this you know this spring with the move to center will be kind of the end of my foray with mockingbird so my job is to make sure we in the year on a great note um you know results are fantastic but more than anything with the with a group of kids that love it and that want to come back and understand that that they're cared about cared about within our club and and they've got a you know a bunch of coaches that want to see them excel and then they get us through tryouts and then after that um you know i will be parting ways with mockingbird with other opportunities on the horizon um but more than anything, I'm just I'm happy I got to be a part of that club while I could, and didn't expect sure. the center job to come up, but uh, sure. absolutely enjoying the change of pace, um, and excited right. to see what comes next for Mockingbird and that organization because there's there's a lot of good people there, and I think that's the backbone of of any successful organization is the quality of the people, not the name, not the logo, not this and that. It's it's who you got around you. And that's absolutely right. Has a ton, a ton of good ones. That's absolutely right. I've, I've, that's one thing I've said repeatedly at nauseum since I've been there. I'm like, there are four or five, and, and Laura, I put you in this category. There are four or five uh, coaches at that club that I would rather my kids play for before me. Um, mm-hmm. So that's um, it's we're we're pretty deep on the coaching chart on the depth chart with coaches and everything. So. Um, so, but you're gonna, you're, it's gonna, they're gonna have a hard time replacing you. So, uh, hey, that's, that's the nature of soccer, you know, and, and I've tried my best to make sure we've got some people ready to go with different things. Um, but yeah. that's also one of those things that, that you learn by kind of getting thrown into the deep end a little bit. And that's, you know, a lot of my job this spring has been behind the scenes, kind of making sure this person knows, all right, this is how I did that. This is how I did this. This is how I did this. And, and that's why I'll, 
I'll be on the staff through through middle of June ish to make sure that you know we as that full time staff we put a lot of time in that office during the pandemic to make sure that things got up and running and sure I'm not I'm not walking away from it till I know that we got year two set and after that I'll feel a little bit better year one has yeah. been good we get year two under the belt and I can walk away saying all right we've done yeah. something good here and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what comes you know, year three, four, five, six, and so on from what they have to offer at Mockingbird. Sure. Well, we're looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing how things play out at center for you all. It looks like a lot of yeah. success is happening now. It's going to continue to happen. Um, so we're really excited for you. Um, so, uh, but we appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for and, uh, having me. It seems like we've been trying to for I think for two days now to uh, yeah two nights now in yeah. a row we've been trying to record this, um, but uh, we're glad we uh, no finally got we, it. we yeah. made it work so that's again <laughs> soccer is all about being flexible and if the pandemic hasn't taught you to roll with the punches I don't know what will so absolutely but it's all good absolutely so all right Laura we appreciate you coming on and. Um, you know, uh, I'll be in touch. I'll be t- keeping in touch, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll, sure. we'll be we'll be watching center from afar. Yeah, well, you got to come see the new facility, you know. So we'll get you on campus. Hopefully, it's a little more open in the fall, and you can come see all that yeah. it's got to offer. I'm gonna have to do that. I, I I have no problem making that drive to Danville. I, I love road yeah. trips, so it's anyway. a good one. So, anyways, thank you guys again for having me. And uh, absolutely, I'm sure I'm sure I'll see you guys around at some point in time, and you know, come on down cheer on center, watch some good soccer and, and see what all it's got to offer. We'll try yep. to make that happen. We'll try to make that happen. <laughs> all right. Have yeah. a good night guys. I right, appreciate it. Bye. Bye. All right, Chris, you like ice cream? What's that? You like ice cream? Oh, definitely. All right. Well, Jericho farmhouse, grand store opening store, grand opening, whatever you want to call it this weekend from noon until 10 o'clock. A uh, lot of flavors, a lot of uh, variety. Uh, check them out on, on Facebook. That's Jericho Farmhouse. My personal favorite is the birthday cake. So hmm. uh, I'm trying to talk my sister into uh, getting a dreamsicle flavor uh, to be, to be oh, continued on that one. So uh, it's worth a look. So highly, highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah, congratulations to them on getting a store. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm really excited for him. We're going out there uh, tomorrow night, taking the kids out there tomorrow night, and oh, um, gonna get a gonna big brother's gonna walk in. And he's gonna get the big brother <laughs> treatment. I'm gonna walk in and make my own scoop and uh, have some fun with it, and it's gonna be cool. I can't wait. Awesome. Yeah, so, and I think, uh, I think next week we got one of your uh, old Fairdale players, uh, Faisal, coming on. Faisal, Faisal, Faisal. I can't wait. And uh, ceremoniously enough, Sam.